Welcome to the Leadership on Demand podcast, presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, located in historic downtown Charleston. I'm Colonel Tom Clark, Executive Director of the Krauss Center, and we are proud to share an inside look at the training, thinking, and experiences of principal leaders. Since 1842, the Citadel has produced principal leaders in all walks of life, and we look forward to sharing some of what makes the Citadel a strong and unique institution with you today. On this week's episode of Leadership On Demand, we will take a behind-the-scenes look at principal leadership training with special guest John Acker. John is a senior private from Echo Company with a shock of bright red hair and a passion for keeping the legacy of Senator Fritz Hollings alive as an example to the South Carolina Corps of Cadets. I'm today's host, Lieutenant Colonel Ted Feening from the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership On Demand podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to another edition of the Principal Leadership Podcast. I am here today with Cadet John Acker, who is in his duty uniform on a uh, Friday morning, kind enough to come talk to us about uh, what he's up to here at the Citadel and give us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at a slice of what the what is happening behind the scenes here at the Citadel. So, John, um, tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you're studying, and uh, let's just jump right in and you tell, tell everybody what you're up to at the Citadel. Well, thank you so much for having me. My name is John. Um, I'm from Bluffton, South Carolina. I'm a senior at the Citadel. I'm a political science and uh, ph- uh, political science major and a philosophy minor um, in Echo Company. Um, and I started this organization last year called the Ernest F. Holling Society of the Citadel. Um, and it's a program and a cause that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I've been a great admirer of Fritz Holling since I was a senior in uh, high school. Uh, he's why I came to the Citadel, um, and it's been a, a privilege uh, to dedicate a group um, that is so devoted to honoring his legacy and promoting him on campus. So how did you originally become interested? First of all, what class was Senator Hollings? Uh, 42. 42, okay. And how did you, you know, 42 is 60, 70, 80 years ago. Big divide there. Big divide, big divide. Uh, and I, uh, I understand you attended his funeral. I did. Um, I did a program, I did two programs in high school called, one was a Palmetto Boy State, um, run by the American Legion, and another one is uh, South Carolina Youth in Government, um, which is run by the YMCA of South Carolina. Uh, there are two youth legislative and leadership uh, conferences, and uh, Senator Hollings and his legacy was talked about a lot there, and uh, I was at a point in my life where I was really looking for role models in government, um, just and role models just in leadership. And uh, Senator Hollings uh, fit the bill perfectly. Um, and I remember I attended uh, Governor McMaster's inauguration in 2018. And it's on the pamphlet, had all these living governors of South Carolina. And it said Fritz Hollings. And I was like, oh, I, I thought he had already passed. Um, and then a, a few months later, I remember that's when he did eventually pass. And I said, you know, I really just want to come up and, and, and pay my respects. Um, and I was thinking about going to the Citadel at that time anyway, so I'm like, you know, another chance to get on campus. Um, I went to his wake in West Ashley, and I was the only guy in there under 40. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> sure. And one of his grandkids came up to me, and they said, hey, why are you here? And all this, and I said, oh, I was a great admirer. Um, and they said, oh, you have to tell our parents, uh, because they'll love this. Sure. And this will mean so much to them. And I did, and I went up, and... Mayor Tecklenburg and Mayor Riley, they were all standing around, and I was just some little 18-year-old who'd driven up from Bluffton and cut class that day. Um, and I told them my story, and I told them how much I admired him, and 
um, the next day at the Citadel, um, and being here for his funeral and seeing, uh, you know, then Vice President Biden, John Kerry, Bill Dodd, all of these titans uh, of government um, and big, big uh, figures uh, in the American political realm over the last 40 years was crazy. Um, and just to see the reverence and respect from people on both sides of the aisle uh, for Senator Hollings was uh, humbling. I, I share that memory. I was I attended that really? funeral as well, and that was really a, a spectacular event. It was wonderful to see the Citadel community uh, pull together to honor one of its own. So uh, my understanding is you read an awful lot of books written by Senator Hollings, yes, if sir. not all of them. How, how many books are we talking about? And what is the what is the is the content about his uh, military service, about his time at the Citadel, time in government? What did he What was he writing about? What were you reading about? So I read uh, two books. Both of them have been gifts um, from people who were around Fritz while he was alive. One of them is uh, Making Government Work. Uh, That one was given to me by Andy Brack, who's actually the editor-in-chief of the Charleston City Paper. Um, And the other one is A Case for Hunger, which was given to me by Fritz's, uh, or Senator Hollings' grandson. Um, And it's an original signed copy from his library on Isle of Palms. Um, making government work is a, is a whole list of solutions and ideas that Senator Hollings came up with in the, I think it was the 90s. Um, budget surplus, uh, global free trade, uh, military solutions, you know, coming after the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, but it's, it's, it's a book about a return to normalcy, maybe something we could you know, use now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just has common sense and uh, is really, really well-articulated and well-thought-out solutions uh, to the problems of the day. A Case for Hunger, though, that is my favorite of uh, any of the work that Senator Hollings ever produced. Um, In the 60s, when he became governor, um, South Carolina was still reeling from um, intense poverty and and intense lack of um, access to education, and Senator Hollings toured the state and try to come up with all these solutions and, or, or just ideas of you know, what was afflicting South Carolinians at the time. And one of the things he found was that people were hungry. Um, young children in school, mm-hmm. uh, destitute poor people, older generations of people, people didn't have access to food. And what Senator Hollings saw, and I think that what we can all see, is that when someone doesn't have access to food, that is just a precursor to a whole onslaught of problems, crime, poverty, um, or just you know, I mean, death and, and malnourishment at, at the easiest uh, level. And he wrote this book and, and, and held special committees when he was in the Senate about hunger and nutrition. Um, and it's, it's a really, really good read. You can find excerpts of it online, or you can come by the Citadel and give you one of my copies. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, his legacy at the Citadel, which we've read a lot about because we're trying to um, you know, just create a organization that's best suited to honoring his legacy. Sure. He was a commander of, a, of Lima Company his senior year, um, a rank he actually lost second semester and he got into some trouble. Hmm. Um, Do you know what for? No, I just, I did that. Mary There's Riley, a mystery. Yeah, Mary Riley told me that. I need to find out. Um, he was a member of the junior sword drill uh, and he was a, or he was commander of the junior sword drill that year and he was on the uh, Seminole Guards as well. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I admire Senator Hollings. I, I read a little bit of his military career, uh, and one of the interesting facts that I really found fascinating was that he was put in charge, he was essentially a guard as, as a young captain, 
of an entire treasure trove of Nazi paraphernalia, uniforms, artwork. Are you familiar with the story? No, no. Oh, well, so um, it's it's in the Soul of the Citadel, which is a, a work I tried to put together to help cadets be less cynical about their time at the <laughs> Citadel. Um, but the excerpt is, is from the archives, and it basically said he could have put any of those items in a parachute bag, in a sea bag, stuffed it in his pack, and taken it home and sold it for a lot of money. And he said it's it's the it's the leadership he learned at the Citadel. He, he didn't call it principal leadership at the time, but it is the leadership lessons of, of duty, honor, and respect that he learned at the Citadel that prevented him from that even crossing his mind. I, I think that speaks so much to his character uh, when he was alive. One of the one of the best stories that I tell people when they ask about Senator Hollings is um, the federal courthouse in Charleston, uh, the Four Corners of Law, um, was named for Senator Hollings. They put his name on the building. And when they were dedicating a statue to him outside, he, before that ceremony, he said, I'd like you to take my name off the building and put Judge Wadey's Waring, um, who was a, 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 another landmark figure in South Carolina who, who set a course for uh, integration and civil rights. But I think that just shows, you know, the story of the Nazi paraphernalia and then this, it, it shows that he was somebody who really put service and duty above himself. He, he wasn't here to have his name on buildings. He was here to, to get uh, something done. Well, what's fascinating to me as a Marine Corps officer is we, we take a lot of our legacy from our heroes, the Pappy Boyingtons, you know, the, 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 there are all sorts of characters out there we don't need to get into right now. <laughs> but it's wonderful to see a, a an undergraduate cadet taking an interest in a historical figure and, and keeping the memory alive and keeping the leadership lessons uh, fresh in the minds of cadets. I'm holding in my hands right now uh, what I can only assume is a tanker jacket patch. Yes, it says it's blue. It's a sort of a royal blue uh, with dark blue trim. Holling Society with the state seal, Doom Sparrow Sparrow. Uh, modesty, courage, integrity along the bottom. Um, what does a cadet have to do to uh, be able to uh, to be able to wear this on his tanker jacket? So we inaugurated the Holling Society last year, and uh, myself and Dr. Carrie Taylor, who's our uh, faculty advisor, and Dr. Bo Moore, um, who helped me get it organized, and then a group of about five cadets who were also really interested in Senator Holling's uh, legacy. We selected 25 cadets, I think that's what we started off with, and uh, the way we picked them was we spent two months uh, going through battalions and talking to people and looking for people who embodied the kind of character that Senator Hollings has. And we're not putting ourselves up on a pedestal over um, other cadets, but it was just, we're looking, we were looking for a specific cadet. We have a lot of great leaders on the Citadel campus. Um, and there's a lot of different clubs that people join based on different criteria. And for the Hollings Society, it's someone who's modest. It's someone who has a lot of courage. It's someone who has a lot of integrity and conscience, um, who makes decisions based off their conscience. Really, that was one of the most important things, because that's what Senator Hollings did. And at the Citadel, Every day you have to make decisions. So, um, you know, using your conscience and your goodwill is, is a strong uh, part of that. But basically, once you get uh, admitted into the society, you get the uh, aha. That's get, the question. Yeah, you get the patch. Yep. Um, and uh, we, you know, we wear it with pride. How uh, often do you meet? And what uh, when you meet? What is the? Is it just sort of an honor society? And once you've been tapped, you're in, or is there an ongoing active component to being a member of the? Holling Society? Uh, pretty much once once you've been invited to join, you're in. Um, obviously, you have to maintain um, the level of discipline that was the reason for your selection. 
we don't meet often like you know other clubs and societies do. it's meetings based on need right now we've had a few meetings this year about planning a fall reception, about doing a remembrance at senator holling's statue downtown during homecoming week. oh great. oh yeah um and then we'll meet a few times a year to open up the roll books and select new members and each once you're a member of the society you have the full privilege to nominate someone to join um, and I have a vice chairman for selection. He'll review the nomination and we'll discuss it as a group. Um, and if that person meets the criteria, then they're in. So I have two questions for you. Is there a cap on membership? Is there going to be a hundred cadets or can, is it, what's the ideal size for you all? Um, we're still figuring that out, I think, but, um, you know, we, obviously we don't want to, uh, if I could put the whole core in the Holling Society, I would, but, uh, I think probably when the time I graduate this year, I'd like to have 50, 50 cadets. So it's an interesting point you make about, wouldn't it be great if the entire Corps modeled some of these behaviors? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, then you also mentioned it's, it's a bit of a dilemma because Senator Hollings himself tripped tripped up somewhere in his senior year and was relieved <laughs> of his command, it sounds like, or yeah. something akin to that, if not exactly that. And so... You know, I, I think that's really, it speaks to a larger issue at the Citadel, which is, do we allow leaders in our leadership laboratory to fail with grace? Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? I think that's one of the most special things about the Citadel. Um, my, my twin brother goes to Clemson. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were freshmen, we would call each other on weeknights, and I would call him, and usually it would be too loud because he was pledging a fraternity, so he'd be at some bar in Clemson. And he'd go, what are you doing? I'd say, I'm shining shoes and brass and ironing my pants right now. <laughs> um, but more than that, he'd, he'd be like, well, what did you do this week? And I'd say, well, we had a greater issues address, and we heard from some really cool people. Or we spent the Saturday on campus with a bunch of Navy SEALs doing leadership exercises and hearing them talk. And I think that that's the special thing about the Citadel is that it gives you so much more than what a regular college gives you. And it also puts you in a position uh, where you can lead and most importantly, where you can fail. Um, I think some of my best friends here are just, um, you know, just other cadets on campus that I talk to are people who have been through um, situations where they made a bad decision and they lost rank, um, but they weren't kicked out. They, we keep you on campus and you learn, okay, that's not how, that's not the kind of leadership I want to embody, or that's not the kind of leader I want to be. Um, and I think that's what makes the Citadel so special is that you get to, you know, we let you fail a bunch here before we put you out in the, in the, in the, in the world and expect you to be a Citadel man. Well, you're very polished and you're very optimistic and I like that, but I'm going to ask you a more challenging question. Normally it's a question I'll lead off with. What's wrong with the Citadel? What are the greatest challenges facing cadets? right now and you're you know you're four four years here what's your perception of what needs to be addressed well the one of the simple answers i've given that's the reason i'm on the podcast today is uh why we started the hollings society yeah it's because i love fritz hollings and my friends do as well and he's a great guy to honor but i was on this campus for three and a half years and i kept asking myself why is no one talking about senator hollings mm-hmm. um there's a portrait in the library, and there's the Hollings Building, which I'm sure most people don't even know about, but it's it, it's near the city gym parking lot, and it's where the Army Corps of Engineers is. Um, but I think that we don't focus enough on talking about our distinguished graduates as a model for how our 
forthcoming graduates should act. Fritz Hollings is one, Arlen Williams is another. Oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of great role models on this campus or that who have walked these halls that I don't think we talk about enough. And I, I know that you know cadet life is busy and our leadership classes are busy, and uh, but taking time to talk about men like Fritz Hollings and uh, Arlen Williams and you, know, you could go over to the War Memorial and, and look at any any single one of those names, and, and that's something you need to think about. You know, it's funny. I've had the exact same thought as you, and we're <laughs> definitely going to be talking. We're going to continue this conversation uh, even after this podcast interview is over. Um, how do you connect cadets to the legacy of this place in a way that they can see themselves stepping into those shoes? And it's not necessarily government, and it's not necessarily military. We have a lot of amazing engineers. We have a lot of amazing attorneys. We have Arlen Williams. You know what his profession was? No. He was an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he was a Citadel graduate that uh, had, had just had put himself in a, in a position to exercise values that the Citadel embodies in a moment when his country really needed him. And that, I think, um, is worth remembering. I agree with you totally. Um, what do you think students are, are most concerned about on campus? This is a little bit outside of the Hollings, but uh, yeah. people love to hear from cadets. Um, you know, obviously, I think we all just pray every Friday that it rains. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I think that... Um, Everything that I've observed, and, and I reported, I'm, I'm, I'm matriculated as a knob pre-COVID, uh, 2019. Um, I still get shivers thinking about it. Um, but So I've seen the type of cadets at this institution change drastically hmm. um, from when I was a knob to the knobs we have now with the class of 26. And we saw it with, we saw the early beginnings of it with the class of 20, 24, we saw the real thing with 25, and I think we're seeing the real thing with 26, is that we are dealing with um, young men who spent two years inside. When you say when you say uh, the last full normal knob year, would you consider, I mean, this year is maskless, right, yes. where the pandemic is essentially in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, would you consider this knob year a normal knob year? I, I think in, in practice, absolutely. It's, okay. a, it's a complete, I mean, everything that I'm seeing on campus is everything that I experience. So it's, it's, not, it's not the knob experience, it's the actual knobs. It's the knobs themselves. Right. I, think, I think that they're different. Um, yeah. I don't think it's their fault. Yeah. Um, I, think that, I think that it's just the way that they experience life, not just high school, but just life. Um, and it's, it's crazy, too, because, you know, the Citadel has kids from, you know, all 50 states and different countries. Uh, and they experience COVID different. You know, mm-hmm. a, a cadet reporting from Anchorage, you know, in Alaska, or you know, the far reaches of Wyoming where he wasn't around anybody during COVID. You know, maybe life wasn't that weird for him. But someone who's coming from New York or uh, Los Angeles or, or big cities who experience COVID like that—that's got to be. This has got to be a culture it's shock. It's really interesting to think of COVID as a cultural block that's moving through. Um, our institutions, like the Citadel or other higher institutions, and then what comes after is, is uh, I guess, sort of remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. All right, last question for you. Do you think there is anything that prevents the Citadel from reaching its full potential as an institution? That, that is a, that's a good question. Um, Let her rip. You know, people need to know. Yes, and I think it should be that way. I don't think that the Citadel can ever be finished. And I don't think that we can ever come up with the perfect experience. I think that it's our duty to try. What um, needs to be changed? Don't 
be afraid to speak your mind. Um, yeah, I see it. I'm a senior private in Echo Company. Okay. And I'm living with my two best friends. One of them is our athletic officer. The other one's the cadre platoon leader. And we talk about core leading the core a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that's really, really important to cadets. I think that's something that was important to Senator Hollings. I think it's something that's important to every single graduate who's walked through this institution as a cadet. Where does the rubber meet the road on that? Where is the core not leading the core where it should be? I think um, sometimes it's with the failure of cadets' um, leadership. Sometimes guys make the wrong decision. I think, and I'm the first to admit that I've made some bad decisions while I was here. Um, But I think also it comes in uh, with the comrades department and the tag teams. I think that uh, they need to be involved in picking the leadership for the next year, of course. But once they pick them and they put that trust in a, in, whether it's a senior serving as the regimental commander or as a cadre platoon leader, there's got to be trust in, in, in what they're doing, and you got to trust that you pick the right guy. Our cadre platoon leader, Echo, uh, he's actually in the Hollings Society. He's named mm-hmm. Flame Penarts. He's from Texas. He is the most by the book, forward thinking, and uh, honorable guy that I've ever met at the Citadel. I would trust him in my life, and I. We all trust in his leadership of, of, of the now class of 26 that he's going to produce um, great guys and gals to continue our legacy. Uh, but I think there's got to be trust in, in that. What does the opposite of that look like? Or the reality that my, leads you to that? Micromanagement. Micromanagement. I think it's tax and people from the Commerce Department trying to, you know, we're trying so hard to keep the attrition low. We're trying so hard to. Uh, you know, prevent all of these problems, and, and obviously we should take hazing as a, the most serious issue. Sure. Um, but I think sometimes that they they try to be so proactive that they actually halt um, good, you know, I don't want to say leadership training, but just knowledge training. Um, you know, the time spent shining on the gallery and and popping off knowledge um, can be really valuable. Not only because you're you're there with your classmates doing something that brings you closer together. But I remember that you know cadre would share important lessons with you. Uh, or some of our marine contracts, you know, they would talk about the marine maxims and, and how important the general orders are. And you know, it, it's moments like that when I really would just like to see you know a, a true cadet leadership experience is a cadet leadership experience. It's letting uh, the cadets in the barracks lead the corps. And like we talked about, you're going to have to let them fail sometimes. And when they fail, it's important for the tax to be there. There's got to be someone to hold us. John, you are preaching to the choir, my man. I uh, I try to let these opinions come forth naturally from the mouths of cadets <laughs> to the ears of anyone that will hear them. Um, but I have to tell you, we have a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this episode of the Principal Leadership Podcast. I want to thank you. Uh, congratulations on getting the Holling Society up and running. The professors you mentioned, uh, Carrie Taylor, and uh, Bo Moore, terrific professors here at the Citadel. So it's really, it's really great to hear that you are bringing a legacy to life in a way that can inspire cadets. Keep speaking your mind. Encourage your fellow cadets to do that. That's, uh, that's how the Corps begins to lead the Corps. So uh, again, thanks for being here. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Leadership on Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. You can find us online, and we welcome your feedback and suggestions on who you, our audience, would like to hear from in future episodes. Thank you for your time today. We hope you'll join us here again soon for another episode of Leadership on Demand.